Well, that's going to be a little bit later on, very shortly, actually. We're going to Fiji. Oh. We are talking big fish. Blue water, oh. big reef drop-offs, GT bust-ups, you name it. Also, story of the week, a great mate of ours is going to join us. He's got an absolute cracker for us. And, well, Herb, you're going to tell us how to catch prawns. Some, yeah. Some real good prawns around Australia up for grabs. And know your limits, but know how to net them. Yeah, that's exactly right, Spider. Prawn can be done by anyone, and it's a lot of fun. Well, Herb... We love learning how other people do it all around oh, the world. It's the best. And it doesn't matter where we go. It's fascinating to hear yeah. people's other stories from you know, different places. And we're going to a place now, which oh, I reckon... A magical spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even just thinking about it. Everyone dreams of this. This oh. is... You know, and we talk about heaven on earth. This is a great place. And uh, Edward joins us right now from Fiji. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Oh, yeah. look, Herb's very uh-huh. excited. We this, want to chat, you know, yeah. everything fishing with you. What type of fishing do you do? Where you go? What kind of fish do you get? What kind but, of boat you use? But you know what? I'm going to pass it over to Herb because he's very excited. Wow, Fiji, Ed, I mean, you must be the most best bloke I've ever met or spoke to in my life. Fiji, you get to fish that place every day. <laughs> yeah, no, we're very lucky. Very, very lucky. It's a very special playground. Very much so. And now tell me, so you own a charter out of Fiji. I want to know what sort of boat you're running, what sort of – I know, you know, you're chasing stuff like wahoo, tuna, dog tooth tuna, trevally. It is a, uh, a – Smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. Oh, you know, it's a pictorial – it's a pictorial of, uh, of species over there. You've got the reef. You've got the, the mountains, everything going for it. Tell us a little bit about your charter operation. Okay, so we're uh, based out of Port Dadara, um at the moment, and we are running two boats. We've got a sort of, sort of centre console of 28-foot uh, Pacific fiberglass longboat, which we do a lot of inshore stuff, jigging, soft plastics, light top water, and then we have our bigger boat, which is also locally built aluminium, craft uh, which we do our game fishing out of and we're chasing everything from wahoo dog tooth yellowfin tuna blue marlin all those fun all those fun things yeah i've i've, I've seen you guys I've, I've watched a bit about yours and you know, i mean a big aluminium boat which that's a bit exciting usually we run fiberglass here but i mean you're getting everything from barracuda dolphin fish goliath groper black marlin blue marlin sailfish red snapper bluefin trevally giant trevally dog tooth tuna yellowfin tuna and wahoo what what a selection <laughs> i mean and you get coral trout yeah. over there as well yeah, we do. Yeah, no, there are multiple species. I mean, I've actually lost, I mean, yeah, there's multiple, multiple species, similar to what you get off uh, sort of northern Queensland. But yeah. yeah, so very lucky, very, very lucky in that respect. Now, tell me, so we go over there for a holiday, we book you for a charter. What do we need to bring? What do, what do we need to get on board with you? Do we have to bring our beer? Do we have to bring our gear? What do we need to bring? <laughs> it's no, great. so we're... Uh, Two of the great things yeah, we, that rhyme, beer and gear. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we actually provide everything that you'll need for the day. Um, so once you, you know, with early morning start, we'll, um, we work our charters around what you guys would want to catch. So if you're wanting to go and catch GTs, we'll make sure all the top water gear is on the boat. Um, if you want to go and chase blue water fish, then we'll go and uh, load up the Tiagra races. 
it's very much built about what customers want to do. They, and it's yeah, it's an it's an epic place. I mean, we we are like you said, a really spoiled for choice. So it also means that I get a great excuse to go to the fishing shops and spend lots of money on new fishing gear all the time. <laughs> yeah. Every wife's nightmare. Yeah, can I? Probably <laughs> the reason why I'm single. <laughs> hey, can I ask? Uh, did you grow up in Fiji? Have you, is it a family business? Did you did you grow up on boats, or is it just something that uh, it just grew on you? Uh, no, so uh, I mean, I was actually born and brought up in the UK, but we've always been around boats, fishing, and the outdoors. So we, I kind of relocated over here about seven, eight years ago with, uh, with the, my mum and my stepfather. And we had an opportunity to start a business up um, through sport fishing. And it was, a, you know, it was a great, great thing to do. I mean, I've, uh, I did a little bit of fly fishing guiding in the UK, primarily on the freshwater. And I thought it was a great opportunity to not be cold and wet for a living. I yeah, be, absolutely. Be nice. <laughs> now, that must be dawning in itself. You've gone pretty much halfway across the world. You've started up your own charter business. Like, that must be awesome. Tell us a bit about that. How did you actually get started in Fiji to do all this game sort of fishing when you've just come from a fly fishing background? But it was, I mean, in truth, I've always been really interested in the saltwater big game stuff um, from, from growing up. I mean, um, sort of family in Australia who'd send us magazines with all the blue water stuff, like marlin and yellowfin tuna. And growing up, you, you read about these, ama- yeah, you, you, you read about these amazing game fish that you never think you're going to see. And then uh, about t- over ten years ago, we came out, came over here on a family holiday, um, had an opportunity to catch a. GT uh, off the Rainbow Reef in Taviuni, and that was sort of the rest of the rest of history. To be honest with you, uh, it was sort of it's a it's a slow burning addiction that kind of took, takes hold of your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and fishing. Well, fishing in the UK, as you say, cold, wet, fly fishing. Is it true they drink warm beer? Because you must prefer cold beer. <laughs> surely. Well, when the water's as cold as it is, your warm beer isn't a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now I I hear I hear your passion like big dog tooth tuna massive GTs the brutes of the ocean like these things are most anglers that have them big gear the Stellas and all that the big chug chug Norris poppers and all that they go to chase these big fish and of course in Australia we get a few of them but tell me your biggest GT your biggest dog tooth how long the fight was because this fascinates me like dog tooth tuna up to a hundred kilo aren't they they get really really big. Yeah, they, they, they can get really big. Um, so oh, where we're based in Denarau, we don't get those truly massive fish um, because they they like very remote spots. They don't like lots of fishing pressure. They they don't like lots of boat traffic. Um, so I've caught um, about a 20-kilo dog tooth but on an ultralight jigging setup. So probably wow. sort of PE2, PE3 yeah, right. uh, setup. Uh, that, that, was, that was interesting. So that was sort of uh, 15, 20 minutes of excitement. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> what about the big um, GTs? You've got to caught a big one. They're big over there. Yeah, no, yeah, no. We've I've had a good fish at about thirty kilos um, on on the, on the top water, which that was epic. It was all really visual, very very shallow water as well. Um, so it was it wasn't necessarily a really super long fight, but it was very very hard because yeah. you had to keep the things out of the reef and tight tight drags. Now can I so ask? That was good fun. Now can I ask? Uh, Two other, a couple of other questions. One is because you are in Fiji, you're in a reef. Uh, do you do? You know, I know people go out fishing, but you know, they ju- jump off the boat and snorkel, or do you do any spear fishing over there? That's a good question. Uh, 
Uh, no, well, we play. I don't personally because I don't know a huge amount, about, yeah. a huge amount about spearing. Um, but it, spearfishing is incredibly popular here, yeah. um, especially both as a way of subsistence fishing um, and as a way of feeding, you know, just feeding themselves and recreationally as well. Yeah, I'm um, a bit... they tend to go tend to go hand in hand here. Yeah, I'm a bit like you, Ed. I don't have big enough kahunas to go jumping in the water with big sharks. <laughs> I'd rather sit back no. in the boat and watch them. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, no. Yeah, it's having seen a couple of the sizes of bull sharks here, I'd rather just stay in the boat, to be honest. Oh, with yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, is there a problem with sharks over there? Um, I, I think it depends on what you know, which way you're coming from, to be honest with you. I mean, they've always been here. I mean, they do get a bit of a pain when you're deep dropping um, yeah. and you can't get anything get, get anything to within 15 metres of the boat. But at the same point, they've always been there. Um, it, what we found, though, is that they've actually started following boats. Uh, they, so they're beginning to associate some, some boats with food, yeah, which I don't think I is can't. probably the best thing in the world. Yeah, we yeah, get a lot of that over here. That can be a bit bit hard. I mean, have you noticed, but over the time, are there more or they're just getting more used to the boats and finding a feed out, out of boat traffic? I, I couldn't honestly answer that 100%, but I think it's that the interaction between sharks and boats and fishing is probably getting more frequent. Yeah. Um, yeah it, it, and I think it's just the way things are. Um there's always a cycle of things. You know, as soon as the prey runs out, the predators disperse. So, you know, it, yeah. it takes it cycles through. I think personally. Well, we're chatting with Ed, uh, who's a fishing charter operator in Fiji. Ed, what are some of the tips you like to tell you know fishermen and when they come aboard your boat? What's one of your major tips? Relax and enjoy yourself. Yeah, uh, it's. Um, I, I think the, the, one of the biggest things is that for a lot of people, they come to Fiji, they spent their fishing life perhaps fishing in a river trying to target flathead and stuff and they they psych themselves out for catching a monster GT. Yep. Um, and they, basically they get overexcited and they burn themselves out too down. You can cast all those and, and not catch anything but yeah. at the same point you, you've got to pace, you've got to pace yourself. I think that's every fisherman's nemesis. I've fallen out of bed that many times the night before going out on a big trip <laughs> thinking I was hooking onto a big fish and then I get home the next day with nothing in the esky and it's a very <laughs> Very, very bad dream, I tell you. It's one of them things. One thing I want to ask you, Ed, the, pay, the, the patrons come out, they catch a fe- You let them keep a feed of fish? Like, are they allowed to take fish home? Do, do you cry back it for them? Do, do you get it cooked for them? What's the story there? I mean, so obviously we, we try to run things as sustainably as possible. Um, we, we released uh, all our billfish. Um, our GTs are released. Um, but yeah, if, if it's a good eating fish, then I mean, uh, we, what we do is we'll, we can clean up the fish and suggest certainly where they get them cooked or how they can get them cry back and send home with them. Wow. Um, it's very, it's it, it quite species specific. But yeah, otherwise, okay. other way, if you want to catch a, if you want to catch a feed, then we'll build that charter around that. So that's really that's what we try to do. What's your favourite fish to cook, and how do you like it cooked? Here we go. Uh, so. Uh, actually, my one of my favourite fish is a flame tail snapper. Ooh, yeah. eating, and and actually, it's uh, not cooked. It's uh, served as uh, sashimi. Really raw? Yeah, not, not ceviche, yeah. not not in lime or anything. Just raw. No, no, just raw with a yeah, just with a with a bit of um, wasabi on the side. It's probably one of my favourite things. Favourite, favourite ways to eat things. Ed. Maybe a bit of soy, a bit you, of a dipping soy. You're talking our language with a little oh. bit of wasabi. Yeah. 
So you'd be out there. You could yep, catch definitely. one of these out there and knock it straight up for the patrons on the boat. Bit of fresh sashimi, yep. bit of soy, bit of bit of wasabi on the boat, ready to go. Yep. That's the one. Yep. Oh. <laughs> with a with a good cow beer. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm coming to Fiji. I am actually coming over close that way soon on a, on a cruise ship, so I might jump off the side, swim in, and do a couple of days. With them. Be great. <laughs> Sounds hey, good. Ed, Sounds we, good. Re- we really do appreciate your time on the Anglers Podcast. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, so if you want to uh, head over to our website, which is www.hiddengembg.com, uh, all our email contacts are on there. Failing that, just reach out on social media, either Instagram or Facebook. On Hidden Gem Fiji. Hidden Gem Fiji, yeah. Beautiful. Ed, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. No more, is it? (laughs) (laughs) That should be called Exposed Gem Fiji. Ed, all the best, mate. Thanks for your chat and get into them big ones, eh? Thank you very much. Thanks for the call, guys. Have an awesome weekend. I can't wait to go, Spider. Fiji has been a destination on my list for a bloody long time, I can tell you. So far, you've... uh, Canada's been on your list. New Zealand's on your list. Fiji's on your list. Turkey's on your list. Uh, South Africa's on your list. You got a long list, Herb. I know. I haven't even left Queensland yet. <laughs> but yeah, look, that was fantastic. Hidden gem, Fiji. Uh, what a bloke. What a, 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 a list of fish to catch. So get over there and get amongst it. Herbert, we know that uh, we are touching all different types of fish around the world. In Australia, we've looked at mud crabs. We'll cover off oysters, crayfish, you name it. Crustaceans, the whole lot. I want to tackle you right now. Come on. I want to know yep. about the art of catching prawns. Because you love them. You do it. I see yeah. you out there with a the net. Yep. You can go to our Facebook page, our Instagram or TikTok, and you'll be able to see Herb in action catching prawns. But... How do you do it? What's the rules and regulations? How many and what do you do? Yeah, well, in Queensland, Spider, I love to go. Uh, the banana prawn season starts around 10 to February, March, runs through till about May. We get a thick run of banana prawns throughout Morton Bay. Yep. Um, now, cast nets. We're allowed to use cast nets in Queensland. Uh, I think 15 foot is the biggest one. Chain net. They're about eight kilo heavy. What's the art of throwing those? Oh, so everyone's got a different technique. Now, I like my technique because I just throw the whole net over the shoulder. I don't hang on to any rope. I tie it onto the side of the boat. All the ropes gather behind me. I split the net into two, so two lumps of chain either side with two runs of chain running between. I go, I, I reach down the net, grab the two clumps, and in my pinky and, well, Basically, me two pinkies, I grab the back of the chain, yep. the back side of the chain, the chain that's closest to your body. I then pick the net up, and then I just could do it like a circle motion. And I just pretty much throw the chain, but hang on to the two bits in me pinkies. Rightio. Until the other bits of chain have spread out enough, because these things will throw over a six-by-four box trailer quite easy. Yep. Um, and, yeah, once that chain hits the water i drop me pinkies out that chain hits the water next to the boat obviously sounding them up's probably a must reading a sounder i did it so for they, long... so the little even though they're, they're quite small are yes. they still on a sounder yeah definitely so with sounders now we've got down scan side scan that this the technology is amazing and obviously prawns sometimes they will come to the top and skip along and when you see that start charking uh, but most of the time I'm prawning waters anywhere from about 10 to about 15 metres deep, sometimes oh, really? up to 20, yep. 
in the bay than the big deep holes where the prawns sort of gather. Um, and, yeah, you see them shaped up. You, like, different fish show different shapes or different clumps on a sounder. Uh, once you get to learn that, uh, what to read on your sounder, head into the current, find your school, throw back over where you've just been over, drift around your net. Once it hits the bottom, give it a few jigs. You'll feel them tapping at the top of the net. They'll go into the top pocket. You bring them up, you empty out the top pocket. In Queensland, you're allowed 10-litre bucket per person and only two 10-litre buckets per boat if you've got more than one people on board. But this, right. this changes in New South Wales. Victoria, you're not allowed a cast net. So what do you, you can't fish them? Well, you use a landing net. What's the difference? Well, a landing net's on a, you use a scoop, pretty much. So you, in New South Wales, down near the Murray and, and that sort of place, I'm pretty sure that they, at Lakes Entrance and whatnot, when the prawns are running, they go out and they tow a bike tube with an esky on the back they've, and they've got a battery usually on board, a big headlamp. And they just see them cruising along the flat. So they're only in knee-deep water. Oh, okay, okay. And they use a landing net with finer mesh and they just scoop them up one by one. And they get a lot of prawns doing it that way because sometimes they come on pretty thick. Where we are, you're finding schools of prawns and trying to throw your net over them. Now, this doesn't always work, as we know, because the other day I went out and I threw my net over. I thought I was far enough away from a structure, but there was prawns... And this is what they do sometimes. They hold on structure. They hold around boat mooring blocks. They hold around uh, rock ledges and anchors that have been on the bottom, like a big anchor holding a big trawler or yep. something. Threw me net. Got it stuck. Lost the chain. That was a $400 day. No. Yeah. Is that what a net is? 400 bucks. Yeah, about that. Anywhere from 350 to 400 I think they're the top of the line. No bottom pocket. Eight kilo chain bottom top pocket net. They're about three fifty to four hundred. I get him custom made from Prawn and Pete, and we're going to get him on here one day because I've got to speak to him about What's it. What's his name? Prawn and Pete. Wow, what a great name! Yeah, Albert Carbrook. There, he's a top bloke. He makes a fantastic net. They are just super silky smooth. Uh, they throw very nice. He's got extra long rope on them to fish them deeper spots. Otherwise, you've got to tie rope because you need to let the net get to the Do bottom. Do you ever catch fish? I caught a nice flathead in there the other day. That went about 56. Yeah. Uh, I got a catfish in there that probably was about 50 centimetres. I've caught bigger flathead in there. Uh, I've heard of a mate of mine. He got oh, a bloke I know. He got a uh, two or three big Jew in the net. Oh. And two of them busted out and he got one over the side. It was a bit of a tussle, but he got in, but it destroyed his net. Is it like when you, you go caravanning camping or if you're taking your boat down the ramp for the first time, can you practice throwing the net in the backyard? Definitely. Or? I've had the missus out there throwing it. She got it in about an hour and a half, I reckon. She got the perfect throw. She's good at it now. She loves it. She absolutely loves it. This is a girl, uh, Heidi, uh, my girlfriend. She absolutely loves chucking the net. Thinks it's And I took her out for the first time. We caught a bucket full of prawns, probably about eight kilos worth, which is a lot of prawn. Yep. Um, and she had a ball. And if you're new to it, and you're going out there, up in the bay where I am, or wherever, go when they're thick, get into the crowd, and just watch. Just watch people. Watch them throw. Watch what they're looking for. Watch the way they move up the current. I like a slacker tide when it's sort of easier to get over the top of your net. It can get pretty hectic up there with more than 100 chuckers all sitting in one big pile. Well, you taught someone the other day, didn't you? Some old mate. Yeah, he just pulled up. He was having trouble throwing the net, so I showed him, and he had it within two or three goes. So it's not hard to do. 
But the laws are there for a reason. Only take what you need. And let's face it, eight kilo, if there's two of you, if you get 16 kilo of prawn, that's a lot of prawns. Who goes oh, yeah. to, the ta- uh, to the seafood shop and buys 16 kilo of prawn? No, never. Spider, here we are. I've got a special for you today. I've, got, I've, I've sourced a little information and I've got Peter Everett on the phone. Now, the real Peter Everett. The real Peter Everett. The now, this, real one. This is your old man. <laughs> and he's got a story about you that I want everybody to hear. G'day, Pete. How are you, mate? He wants How to, are you? Wants I'm to, all right. He wants to know why I wasn't junior. Yeah. Why did you call your son Peter? Oh, because he looked pretty, pretty um, uh, good looking when he was born. <laughs> he looked a bit like me. <laughs> but it, it, Things change rapidly. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, well, we're growing old gracefully, aren't we? Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. Now, was this this one when we hit a bit of rough, not turbulence, because that's yeah, in the we, air? <laughs> we, we went out with very, very limited experience in the boat as being a captain. Well, the bloke who owned the boat had none. Where, where'd we you go out, out? We went to Fair Gully, which is down Walkerville. Way, Melbourne, Victoria. It goes straight out to the straight out to the ocean. Yeah, right. It's, what kind of boat? It's not a bay. What kind of boat? If you keep going, it? you end up at Tassie. Yeah, okay. Okay. So we went out a couple of kilometres, and we're fishing away, drinking away, as you do in those days. Still do, I suppose. And, <laughs> yeah, um, goes in and in. Yeah, and all of you could see all these black clouds coming over, and I said, "Look, I don't know much about." about weather or boating, but I saw these black cows coming and then this big clinker boat came in and went really close to shore and stopped and anchored. And I thought, I think we've got to go in. Oh. I think that bloke, that bloke who's captaining that boat know exactly what's going on. And very quickly, so, now, what kind of boat was it yeah. and how old were we? Like, I was only young. You are about eight. Eight years old. This is before he had a football in his hands, I'd say. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's only young and he's only at like 14 to 15 feet or something. Now, tell me, Pete, did did your son, Peter Everett, we've got two Peter Everett's here, this is very confusing, did he throw up? Yeah. No. He's, he, renowned, he's, for, he's renowned for throwing yeah, up. because of this. You've got to listen to well, the end. Well, All right, here we go. <laughs> he, he probably did, but we wouldn't know his face. Because we, we only had two um, life jackets and there's about 10 in the boat. <laughs> and so I thought, well, the only way we can get out of this because the weather was blowing us back out to sea. Ooh. And so we said, the only way we can get out of this, and the waves are coming over the boat, was to like, do it like you, you do with a sailboat, is to tack in. Yep. And I thought, go, yeah. We did that. The waves are coming in. And we, so I got the two life jackets and wrapped them around Peter and stuck him under the windshield. Fair enough. Yeah, so I was stuck under the windshield for hours just while they tacked yeah. in and tacked in. <laughs> yeah. And then we thought we'd get a rat out of petrol. And I thought, oh, my God, this is getting worse. And as we got closer, we did run out of petrol. And we thought we're going to have to jump in and drag the boat in. And we jumped in. The water's up to our waist. <laughs> oh dear Now I know why he's so used to confined spaces Cherie shucks him in the dog box All the time You know what I'm saying Oh dear Oh that's a good story Because on the boat too was Rex Yeah that's right Rex was there That's Because we both jumped overboard Rex and I jumped overboard Thinking we're going to bring the boat in 
And as I said, the water came up to our waist. And we just walked well, in. Hang on, hang on. You had Rex Hunt on board. No, no, no. I was no, going to say, like, this, is, this is my uncle Rex. Oh, right. And he was the greatest of all time because whenever – how did we used to know Uncle Rex had been at our house? Because the next day we'd go to the front door and there was only one shoe. Yeah. <laughs> and the next time you had a party, you'd turn up with one shoe. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. got an Uncle Rex, eh? Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Oh, yeah. that's hilarious. I could go on for about three days with stories about Uncle Rex. He's a character. Oh, dear. If he was on the boat, no wonder it turned pear-shaped. Oh, dear. Unreal. <laughs> when yeah. you see a big ship anchoring off, you think maybe it's yeah. time to get in. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. I said, maybe it's time, but it's too late. Isn't it <laughs> funny down there, but how that bay and, and, and just out, you know, I've noticed, especially off um, southern Australia and all that, it doesn't take long. You, you could oh. you could pretty much blow across the water and it becomes big, choppy, you know, chaotic weather. Uh, it's a yep. lot different up here where it's sort of the, the, the swell ride, the, the chop rides the swell down there. It just becomes a mess. Oh, no, it's, it's so bad. A lot of people do get caught. Yeah, it, yeah. it is well, scary. A couple, couple, couple got rolled over the other day out that same area and they were just like, they're hanging on to the side of the boat and they're just lucky that um, they have one of those, um, what they call them, the you know, alarms. Yeah. yeah. And they sent that off and the uh, they got a, 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 a cruiser, a cruise liner, going past, oh. rescued them. There you yeah, go. That's right, a free buffet. Yeah, straight right, in. Like they had two, two free <laughs> nights on board, buffet and grog. <laughs> <laughs> they probably had a better time on the big boat than they did on the little one. I might go and do it on right. Saturday. <laughs> Stand in line. I reckon there's about 30 people down there trying to do it now. <laughs> as soon as you see a cruise ship leaving port, you drive out in front of him, sink your boat and wave your hands in the air. I want a free ride, you know. That's a great idea. There's a loophole right there. You want a free yeah. cruise, go out, sink your boat in front of him and hope the hell they pick you up. You'll be in the buffet in the casino for the next five days. Oh, what no, a no, trip. No, 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 luck. I'll just run straight over, so I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> and if you took Uncle Rex, you'd have to make sure you had a couple of extra shoes in your pocket. <laughs> now, I've never met Thank you before, you. but I've known your son for a long time. I always talk him up, so I'm going to leave you with one of the biggest talk-ups, I think. Uh, of what I can say. This is what he does every time I ring him and he, he answers the so phone. I'm, I'm going to leave you with this now. I don't know how it'll come out, but we'll see how we go. Well, it's been great talking to you, Peter Everett. The man, the only man to raise the man that kicked the goal that never won a premiership, but he tried his heart out. He's raised him from a little fella, stuffed him up under a windscreen, brought him in on the roughest day with Uncle Rex. You are the one, the only, the greatest. Peter <laughs> Everett! <laughs> oh, my God. I'll have to have a drink now. <laughs> I'll have one too, I think. <laughs> uh, stay safe on the water. Have a cracking weekend. Over.